My name's Liana Berry and you're listening to Art Muse Podcast, a podcast about the intersections between art, healing and creativity. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Art Muse Podcast. Oh, it's been a couple of weeks break and I have missed recording and launching episodes, but I just gave myself a little bit of catch-up time and planning time and refresh time as I roll into some new episodes and the next ideas for 2024. And I just thought it would be lovely to actually round out this year with a bit more of a reflective episode. So today I'm going to be talking about some of my personal experiences this year and some of my personal goals for next year. And I will also be running you through some creative ideas for reflective practice. Also how to intention set for art making. And I guess Um, when you're sitting down and planning what could be ahead and all of the endless possibilities going to give you some ideas for how to manage that and contain it get the most out of it Um, I also want to do the regular gratitude thing where I thank so many of you for listening and supporting the first episodes of Art Muse podcast it has been a really exciting journey it's one that's been full of surprises and I've loved every second of it I spent a long time knowing in the last couple of years that I wanted to have more content in give a voice to a lot of the ideas and the feelings I had around therapeutic art making um, and creativity in general that I just really wanted to support a wider audience beyond my professional client base but I was just really struggling like what medium to use I did buy some equipment to do some filming just some entry-level equipment I needed a new phone so I spent a lot of time researching um, what phones were great for vlogging and this was a couple of years ago and I think I filmed maybe bits and pieces of one video and it was a kind of instructional video for one of my workshops and it just fell flat like it just didn't feel right to me I'm not a big visual video person anyway I do really enjoy photographs but I don't consume a lot of video media um, I'm notorious for actually watching probably the total of one movie a year if that And I haven't seen most of the popular culture TV series and movies that get referenced. I'm very particular. I think I spoke about that in episode one when I introduced you all to me that I am highly sensitive and video format is something that does pick up my sensitivity a bit. So it's not surprising in hindsight (laughs) that video wasn't a medium I felt comfortable with and I had no sense of mastery. Not that you have to have a sense of mastery when you're taking on new projects. Sometimes we just start from a completely clean slate, but it was just too much. And so then I kind of just bumbled along, still using Instagram to the best of my ability. You know, I've always listened to the pod- a podcast here and there when I was exercising, walking or cleaning. And then I just sort of started getting really interested in podcasts and particularly when I was spending more time by myself this year and more time working at home. I fell in love with, you know, just the insights and the personable nature of podcasting and the fact that you can do it while you're doing something else or while you're making art or while you're cooking dinner or while you're walking. And I just, yeah, loved that. And then over time, I get this little idea sprouted in my brain that perhaps I could do a podcast. And so I went all in, researched, bought the basic equipment, and here we are. You know, I'm over 12 episodes in already. But it, has been more work than I anticipated. I easily spend a couple of hours editing each week, probably because I say um too many times and 
sometimes I need space for my brain to formulate its next sentence. So <laughs> there's quite big gaps um, when I am recording naturally. So I do edit my podcasts so that you get the best version, more cohesive version of them. But that does take quite a lot of time. And then there's all the organizing of guests. And then there's, you know, branding and putting everything together and getting it out into the world. And that's something I didn't anticipate. So thank you so much for those of you have that have vocalized so much support because it makes all that work worth it knowing that there's so many of you listening and finding value in what I'm talking about or we're talking about when I interview guests it's so rewarding and yeah I'm really excited to see where it goes keeping on track today what should we launch into first I think this is a really fascinating time of year actually because often people find that energy escalates and it gets really frenetic and chaotic because people want the best out of Christmas. There's lots of consumerist ideals out there. Um, We easily kind of get caught into what we could be doing, what we should be doing, what everybody else is doing. Um, A lot of people take time off. So there's this kind of rush of demand to try and catch up and feed into all the social relationships we might not get as much time for throughout the year. So I certainly find like the energy ups a notch. But it's also a time where people tend to be more reflective and reflexive. And I guess that's to do with the end of the calendar year and the start of a new year. There is also, if you celebrate more in tune with nature, there is the winter and summer solstice happening just a few days before Christmas. On the 22nd, it will be where I live, will be the summer solstice. So the longest day of the year. And then from then onwards, it will tick down to towards the winter solstice, which will be the shortest day. So the weather is actually a really interesting framework to think of how we experience the world. I have a feeling that the reflective, grounded element of goal setting, intention setting and reflection feels probably maybe a little bit more natural in the northern hemisphere because it is colder Um, Some parts are really snowy and it makes a lot more sense because you're inside a lot more. You know, there's not that ability to be outside and be active. So with being inside more, there's more time for that introspection and spending time with yourself and looking forward. You know, you're waiting for the days to get longer and to be able to be more productive outside. So there's like this attending to internal tasks and tasks within the home. So it's a fabulous time of year to be creative. I always find winter is when all my ideas get birthed and you just feel really content. There's not this kind of pressure to be outside and exercising or doing things. And some people find that really difficult, obviously, particularly if you live in really extreme weather conditions. But um, the plus side of that, especially if you're experiencing a cold Christmas, is that Christmas and New Year are great times for being crafty and for being reflective and you have the weather to match. Um, In Australia, is that a bit of a contradiction? I don't know if that's the right word, but there is this tension that happens because I think we are very globalised now and obviously with that new year there is this pull to kind of goal set for next year and to kind of wind up and to think and to reflect on what the year's been like so far but there is like a heat and there is um, socially a lot of people are outside and socialising and being really expansive in that area of their life. Heat can actually be really quite exhausting in its own way. Um, the days are really long. So there's, yeah, some tension there. But aside from that, I think a lot of people in the Southern Hemisphere that experience summer at this time still utilise it as a time of year to be reflective. So roll on from there. Let's actually run through some of my go-to activities for reflection 
If you're interested in Christmas craft, I've kind of missed the boat for that because obviously by the time this gets published, it will be after Christmas. I'm recording it actually just a few days before Christmas, but I have sent out a newsletter with lots of craft ideas and I think it's a really nice way to ground yourself and to reconnect and there's um, different ideas in my newsletter of how to use crafting in a really affordable, using lots of recycled materials, playful way to connect with your loved ones and yourself and you can sidestep some of that frenetic energy and that draw into consumerism, you know, not completely, um, but it can be a nice accompaniment to it and just bring you back to yourself. As far as New Year's or any time of reflection occurs, I find doing it incrementally can be really quite different to doing it on one big glob all at once. So one of the ways to, I guess, feed that reflection or that note-taking, that observation throughout the year so that you can draw from the year holistically at the end, because I think what happens is, well, it depends how your brain works and how your memory works. Some people have really astute memories and other people are much more experiential and kind of find their memory moves through much quicker and it can be hard to grasp and hold on to. Obviously, if you journal or write things down or have a calendar, you can it's useful to kind of flick back when just before you start a personal reflection, just so you can sort of refresh what has happened during the year. Um, but the other way to do that that's not anchored necessarily in dates or events is through keeping a feelings account of what has happened and in particular with joy and gratitude. So my mum introduced this idea to me quite a few years ago and I did it for many years straight. Um, this year was actually one of the first years I haven't done it. Um, but it's this beautiful idea where you get a glass jar or any jar actually, anything that's got a lid, and you can decorate it and you can get as fancy and creative as you like and cut up some coloured or just some plain bits of paper and keep them close by to the jar. And then the idea is that any time you have one of those heart-bursting moments, one of those moments where you just feel so much joy and gratitude for where you are, um, it's a real visceral feeling that's really actually quite hard to articulate and often we can't predict them coming. Sometimes they do accompany the things that we anticipate them for, like big events that we've been waiting for for a long time. Sometimes they catch us by surprise and we're doing something quite mundane or quite small or something quite spontaneous. And we just get that flood of feeling. Where we're just like, oh, I'm just so grateful for this moment. And it might be related to the people you're around or related to what's happening. And if you feel one of those moments, you write it down on a piece of paper and you pop it in the jar. And then what happens is at the end of the year, I like to do it on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, but you could do it whenever you like, whenever it's meaningful for you, and open back up the jar and you read all these moments of gratitude and joy that have happened through your year. And it's actually such an enriching experience and a really good tool to actually learn about your values and about what has nurtured you that year. So having done it quite a few years in a row, it definitely gave me some insight into several things. So there were a couple of years there where, you know, I always work quite hard. I've always got different projects on the go or I'm mixing up multiple jobs. I've worked full time at different times for other people, but I'm usually pretty invested in what I'm doing. And so I thought that my jar would have quite a few work achievements in it or professional achievements in there. But what I found for a couple of years there in particular was that it was all just these small moments which were either with people I love or it was in nature and I was really surprised and I was living in the city at the time and it was a really good indicator okay this is what feeds me these these are where my values are at and 
although there was quite a few in there, there wasn't loads and loads. And it got me thinking like, how many other moments have I had in nature and with loved ones that aren't in here because I didn't experience the joy or the gratitude or how much of it am I getting in my life? And it actually made me realize like, I'd like to actually have more in my life. I feel like it's not just about the fact that I might've been moody when I was catching up with my sister or my best friend. It was perhaps more that I wasn't seeing them very much and I was only seeing them a couple of times a year. So I think it's really interesting to do it for several years and to see what patterns come out and where your values lie and what it is it that's giving you joy and is it what you know or do you need to pay attention to it and I also wanted to mention that sometimes some years we won't have many little notes in our jar there were a few years there where I really struggled it's not a secret although I'm still reasonably private about the details of it but I had quite a few years where I was experiencing a lot of grief for people that had passed away um, and relational growth which came with a lot of relational pain and struggle and I was you know experiencing the world as everybody else does with its ups and downs and facing some health issues and diagnosis and you know yearning for things that might in my future that I was might not eventuate in the way that I had expected and I was looking back pretty unhappy to a degree you know not every second of every day but those years were hallmarked by difficulty and I those gratitude jars of those years were not anywhere near full and that was obviously hard at the time it was it's somewhat comforting to know that I still had these glimmers, these moments of joy, you know, sprinkled throughout the year. But it was interesting, I think, when things started to shift away from that season. And I feel like if I didn't do a gratitude jar this year, but if I had done a gratitude or joy jar, I think it would have been overflowing. And so it's a really interesting thing to look at that season like that season felt never ending and I just thought that, you know, because it was quite extensive or it was quite prolonged, it felt like you know, is this just what life is now? But I think when you do them, do the, these sorts of rituals over a number of years, you do see that even if the season is long, it is still just a season. And I think that can be really comforting. And that's certainly something I will take forward with me during another difficult phase of my life is knowing that even though it does seem endless, that it does shift and change. And also that knowledge is that you do have control over those little moments. So sometimes, you know, we plan out these little moments that we think are going to go in our gratitude or joy jar and then we don't get that same feeling or that same feedback. But it is a lesson that joy and gratitude can be found in really small ways. And so we can often, while we don't have control over the big things in our life, we can, you know, catch up with an old friend at the beach with our favourite cake or, you know, plan pancakes in bed and snuggles with our dog on a winter morning there are all these little things you can do that can feed you during difficult times so I think it is really helpful for comprehending that in a literal way as well and giving you some clues and some indicators uh, of what you find helpful the other art activity which I really enjoy which has been thrashed a fair bit um, in recent years is doing a collage board or a dream board and this is the idea that you collate lots of different images that give you a vision for the new new year or the year ahead and there's a couple of different ways to do it you can be really literal and look for pictures and words that really dictate the got the specific goals you have or you 
you can use an intuitive strategy, which basically means that you just include the images that you're drawn to. So you might not question them too much. This is really helpful if you have quite a large library of images. So, and particularly if you're not actually having to actively search them. So when we do dream boards, there's probably two options I should speak about. There's obviously doing one electronically using technology and also using like an online library. So you might use something like Canva or you might just use Google, although Google and um, search engines are becoming a little bit more difficult because a lot of the imagery is heavily watermarked or sized a certain way to prevent copyright infringement, um, which is, I think, a really good thing because, you know, we don't want images that are other people's being used for sales. But sometimes it's a little bit frustrating if you're just going to use that one image for your personal dream board that's not going to be shown to anyone else in the world. But anyway, if you're out there like looking for specific things, then obviously you're going to have to formulate the idea and then type it in. So you're going to have to go, well, you know, I want 2024 to have more gardening. So then you're going to have to type gardening in and look for gardens. The other way of doing it is having a collection of images. And so this is usually done over a period of time. So you might have to get a group of people to do together um, if you haven't got your collection or just try and find a stack of old magazines. Um, and if you are getting old magazines from op shops or collected off people, try and get a diversity because some of those fashion magazines won't really probably have the imagery that's suited to the activity. But things like travel magazines, National Geographic, lifestyle magazines, gardening magazines, Frankie some of the mindfulness ones that are out at the moment, those sorts of magazines will have more emotive pictures and more diverse pictures. And hopefully you might already have a collage stash. And if you don't, great thing to start. Basically just need a cardboard box, can be a shoe box. And every time you receive a card or you come across a magazine or a brochure that has interesting pictures or pictures that you think might be useful for future collages, you literally just cut them out and put them in the box. And then over a number of years, you will build what's called a collage library. And so I've had my box since I was probably about 17. Um, and it's quite extensive now. And I use it for my work as an art therapist um, and sometimes use it personally. But I now have a really rich library and it's a really good way I guess to work more intuitively where you basically empty out your box and you sift through and you pull out images that you've just drawn to there's a connection there you might not know why there's a connection but you're pulling them out and then you can obviously filter through that more sometimes you end up with 50 images and you're like okay let me review them again and which 10 am I wanting to put on my paper and sometimes you might cut bits and pieces out of them and merge them together and then what you do is then you reflect on like what is it about this image that I'm drawn to today is it something about the energy is it something about literally about what's going on in there and you can kind of have that double reflection of like reflecting on what you're connected to and what you're drawn to and then putting it in the position of okay well if, if I came with the intention today of making a dream board about the future then what are these things telling me about my future am I wanting more of these values have I got these values already and we just want to sustain them um, am I hoping to have more of this literally in my life am I hoping to have more nature or more people or more good food or am I wanting to learn to cook or whatever it is like I'm sure when it's you you usually sometimes things are a bit more hidden and a bit hard to access but usually we can we can recognize that connection within ourselves quite quickly and its relationship to our goals and our dreams so there's multiple ways of doing a dream board it's a really lovely activity you can do it socially so you can do it with other people obviously do it with people that you feel safe with and that feel that they won't judge each other and they'll just everyone will be naturally curious but respectful of each other's choices and 
yeah, that's a really nice way to kind of make that internal intention setting and goal setting visual. And a lot of people choose to stick it up above their desk or somewhere that they can see it in their life so that they kind of like have a visual cue and a visual reminder of what they want to build through their year. So there's two more I want to run you through. I'm trying not to make an extensively long episode, but I always get on a roll. The next one is, I guess, thinking about a word. And I actually can't remember my word for this year. Um, So I have done this for a few years as well. And I really enjoyed this, particularly when I sort of felt a draw away from doing the gratitude jar. I've had a couple of years where my word was felt really potent and really something I wanted to lean into. One of the years it was surrender. So it sort of became an anchor point of something I touched on throughout the year, particularly when I was struggling. And so the idea with a word is that it's just a value, I guess, that you would like to embody more of or you would like to lean into or learn more from. And it's it's just that anchor point that you can touch on in your journaling or in your art making or in your personal reflections and personal growth. And choosing a word can be tricky. I have heard a few people say they've got to change theirs after the first few months of the year because it doesn't quite fit. And that's absolutely fine. There's no rules. You can change it as you need to, but spend some time. Like you don't have to decide on it the first time you sit down to find one. There's nothing that's kind of jumping towards you then give it a little bit of time and one of the helpful ways to do it if you don't have a quiet mind that has intuitively pops up with something sometimes a word will present itself immediately and other times will take a bit of work it's kind of like naming something sometimes we're like oh straight away that's exactly what I want to name my car my dog my cat my mouse my child (laughs) whatever it is and other times you have this list that you kind of muse over although obviously that's a pretty big comparison of um (laughs) importance it's obviously not as important (laughs) as naming your pet um but it's that same concept of like you know give your brain some time and your heart some time to connect with one of the words so it can be helpful just to brainstorm a whole lot of values and words to begin with and try and keep it values based so it's not about a goal it's about a feeling so you know things like creativity abundance softness discernment wisdom strength grace Hmm, what other ones are there there's so many it might be joy gratitude trust surrender it's kind of like all of these different descriptions and I'm sure someone's popped up on the internet a list possible list of them so you can always jump on there if you get stuck but spend some time brainstorming and then again like your dream board just see which one or which few you feel a connection to and then what you can do to further this process is in write it down somewhere so I wrote it down in my diary and in November I'd finished my journal and I decided I didn't want I didn't wanted to play around with not keeping my journal anymore so I've kept a few that I've written what I tend to find my journal spaces for is for outpouring so it's usually an outpouring of all sorts of messy and quite gritty dark feelings and I have this paranoia that if something was to happen to me someone would read that and think that that was my life and that was my internal experience of life and it's just that's certainly not the case and it kind of that fear that sat with me for quite a long time got me thinking like well why am I keeping them because I actually don't read back on them and I'm not doing it for legacy so why do I have this attachment why do I have why am I drawn to having to kind of carry them around with me and I do tend to hold on to things so for me it was a real challenge around can I just let it go like what happens if I use this process as letting it go and I did an Instagram post on it and I had a few people comment around the ideas of what to do with it so 
people burn their journals. Another lady wrote about shredding hers and she actually shreds every single page shortly after she's done it. So she, you know, writes and expresses herself and then shreds it. And other people sometimes bury them, um, wrap them. Some people do choose to keep theirs. So with my journal, I actually buried it underneath a grandmother tree. And a grandmother tree is just an old, wise tree. I, yeah, I buried it under an old Jara tree. And it's nice to kind of think of it returning to the earth. But it had my word of the year in there. And I must have let go of that word at some time during the year because I cannot remember it. And my brain is a little bit like that. Like I don't kind of hold on to certain things very easily. I'm quite, I guess it's a common thing for creative people. Perhaps, I don't know, maybe you're the same. But I will hold on to things, some things more so than others. So my memory is a little bit sporadic. And I can remember certain things really well. Like if you ask me to read, uh, I was talking about a book that I really loved. I'll be able to tell you what part of the book, like what part of the page something was in the book. Like, okay, it was on the left-hand side at the top. I won't be able to tell you like exactly where in that book, but how is that useful? <laughs> I mean, it's not useful if you're studying and you're trying to like, or you're trying to show someone, you're sort of going back, at least you have a starting point. But yeah, my memory is quite visual and also a little bit unreliable sometimes so I don't actually remember my word but what you can do apart from writing it in your journal is you can play around with the creative expression of that word so I do this sometimes with clients where we're writing down words of power and it's just thinking about all the different ways that the words can be written so obviously there's so much different topography so you can have curly letters and bubble writing and really strong lines and heavy set letters there's all sorts of different there's thousands of different typography so you can obviously type it out on the computer using one of those that you've selected but you can also just hand do it which is really lovely and you add colors and shapes and you can you know if you did bubble writing you can add little images inside your letters and basically you're doing some depiction of that word on colored paper paint pens whatever you fancy and then again you can stick that somewhere just as you would with your dream board that you would like to see it that you would like to remind your brain as an anchor point that that's a value you're using this year for growth and for grounding the last activity I would like to run you through is called an ideal day and again this is another art therapy practice that people do with their art therapists and obviously there's a lot of unpacking and exploring and a whole counseling framework that can go around such activities but I think it's actually something that can really benefit the general public and you can certainly do in a self-orientated self-reflective way and that is basically doing an image of what your ideal day would look like like what is involved in it where are you you know you don't have to call it an ideal day you can just a dream day you can call it something else but if you were thinking about the most perfect scenario of everything that you loved that would make bring you so much joy and so much contentment and empower you like what would it look like where would it be you know would it be a picnic under the tree with all your loved ones next to a garden you grew would it be in a city standing outside an art gallery with your artwork on display? Like there's so many different options. Is it at a circus and you've just won a giant teddy bear? Like there's so many different, you get so playful with it. It doesn't have to be like all serious. But again, this is just giving you some direction around like, okay, so what do I want more of in my year? Do I need more playfulness? Well, then how can we build this into your 2024, you know, the year ahead? Because it's something that you're craving and if you're craving it just because it brings joy, that's okay. Our goal setting doesn't always have to be around achievement and around seriousness. And you might look at your 
dream day, your ideal day, and see a reflection of a lot of what you already have. And that's also really great because that means you're living closer to your values and that you you have areas of your life that you have a lot of contentment in. And it might just be a quick reflection of, okay, how am I servicing that? Am I sustaining that? Am I making sure that this is going to have longevity for me as long as it, for as long as it is valuable? It's a great way to just sort of have a visual reflection and, you know, to sit down and do a drawing. Don't judge yourself when you're drawing. I know some of you are kind of sitting there thinking like, but I can't draw. Um, you can <laughs> and you don't need to show it to anyone. Even if it's just stick figures and it's just more of putting things down on paper is helping your brain to build mental imagery. That's absolutely fine. Sometimes the stronger imagery is in our brain and the paper is just part of the process. Well, let me know if you try any of those reflective practices for the new year transition. I would love to hear and I hope at least one of them sparks some ideas for you of how to use art making in your reflections. Let's talk a little bit on intention and setting your intentions for the new year. I mostly just want to, I guess, run through some do's and don'ts. I know that sounds a bit dry, but I think I just want to emphasize it's so tempting, so tempting because I've been there, to quantify our goals. You know, and that's what we're fed through a lot of consumerism narrative around you know I guess people trying to sell ideas and products and outcomes is that we should have a physicality to our goals and that is absolutely important obviously productivity does rely on a physical formulation a lot of the time it can't be vague and airy and so it's not necessarily about not having form but it's about maybe not quantifying it so much so for example if you would like to make more artwork this year write that down as I would like to make artwork more regularly don't write down I would like to finish 20 paintings and 10 illustrations in the year because can you see how different those two things are and the consequences of each of those so the first one I would like to make more art means kind of already on the upper foot because more is a bit vague you could even get more particular with it actually and say I would I, I would like to make art a priority this year because then you're, you're kind of reducing that expectation and that pressure even more. If you say, I would like to make this number, X number of artworks, you're already kind of upping the expectation and the pressure. And some people think that will kind of force them into a higher level of productivity. And it might do. Some people do thrive off that. It can just contribute to burnout and self-criticism and doubt and usually what happens if we feel that sense of like criticism and doubt like if we get to June and we haven't created one and our goal was 10 or we've done like three half paintings and our goal was 10 paintings is that we start to get really uncomfortable we start to get really self-critical we start to kind of like give up I guess and and when we kind of get into that self-deprecating state usually we get burnt out from it and then we look for an exit and the easiest exit (laughs) When there's leeway like that, particularly if it's just a per- personal pursuit and that's not related to work where we've got a boss hovering over us like saying, you know, if you don't get this done, you'll lose your job. The exit is just to not do it, to abandon it and then to avoid thinking about it because we feel guilty or self-conscious or disappointed in ourselves or sad within ourselves. And then you've got to do all this work to hold that feeling. And if that is too difficult because there's a lot going on, then, you know, it just creates all these negative associations with creativity. We really want to frame creativity as a possibility for sanctuary and a possibility for happiness and self-expression and a place to hold difficult feelings. We don't want to quantify it. We don't want to load the pressure on and create this sticky, messy rut 
when we don't have to. You know, the art making's got enough of its own challenges in the process, and it is quite a lengthy process of bringing an artwork to fruition. So we don't need to add to that by like loading on all these extra self criticisms and expectations. If we simply prioritize, like I want to be creative and I want to make art, then you can focus on how to work towards that. And yes, there might still be times where you feel like that's bumped way down your list and you haven't done much art at all, but you're going to be much more kinder to yourself and you're going to more quickly feel that excitement and that elation that you've met some of your goal if you do some art making and some creativity versus if you're slogging away and you've only got halfway towards a a number that you wanted. So that would probably be my first suggestion is be mindful about the language you use and definitely avoid that quantity. The second thing, I guess, is to to be a little bit more particular in other areas. So we're not being particular in, in areas of numbers, but we're being particular in like what sort of new things we would like to try with our creativity and what we would like to sustain. So if our goal is to prioritise art making, fabulous, list that as a goal. But a secondary kind of more detailed goal is, would I like to make more art making in using what I already have and in the style that I am going in? Or would I like to try something new? So sometimes there is an obsession with new. Absolutely, you don't need to be new all the time. And saying that you don't also need to find a style and be the same all the time. So it's kind of like this fine balance of like knowing what's right for you because it's going to be different depending on where you're at with your processes and where you're at in life. But recognising which one of those is for you for at least the next few months, possibly the next year, can be really helpful. So if you would like to try new things or you'd be like to be more explorative, then giving yourself some idea of where to start to reduce that to some exactness is really helpful. I would like to try some new painting materials or I would like to try crafting with paper or I would like to go and learn how to use clay. So I think materials can be a great place to start. And again, we could be bringing in some subject matter here. Our hearts do get called, particularly to what we see. I think when Ellie was on the podcast, she was talking about seeing um, different mugs and being like, oh, I really want to make that. And that's great. You go and try it. And she had a learning experience from that where she was like, okay, I'm, you know, I thought maybe I could um, expand this out to a whole practice. But she learned that, okay, mass production isn't for me. So I'm just going to keep it for myself. So, you know, it is good to like follow through on the things that you find inspiring. And you might have added those to a creative dream board. You might actually, instead of just doing a dream board of your goals for 2024, you could do one just for creativity. Like what are the things and the creative images that you're drawn to? What materials would you like to try? What sort of subject matter would you like to try? Um, But keeping it reasonably general and, again, being kind to yourself and knowing that art making is a lot of exploration, a lot of trial and error, a lot of of process-led experience and holding that outcome loosely because you're going to get the most out of it. You're going to feel the most enlivened and most most enriched and you're also going to have the most opportunity When you allow yourself to kind of flow and move between what is working or what presents itself as available, if we become too anchored down in like physicality of something, we can sometimes cut ourselves off from opportunities. And if you've been practicing quite a long time, you might find this isn't as relevant to you. 
I think when you do practice quite a long time and you have kind of worked through some of those more explorative phases, you do get a sense of like where you can push yourself and what you get out of your art making and you know your creative self quite deeply. So you might have some more really specific goals. But if you're in that early to medium phase of art practice, or you're just looking to enliven your art practice a bit, you feel a bit stuck in a rut, then absolutely listing some types of materials or some types of subject matter can be really helpful in, I guess, giving some structure to your year. So it's a balance between, like I said, holding it loosely and allowing room for change, but being structured enough and detailed enough that you've got some guidance because art materials, subject matter, art methodologies, like it's so expansive. I think especially with the obviously the abundance of the internet is that you just see so much there is just so many different things out there and it can be very overwhelming particularly if you're not going down the route of enrolling in classes and courses and workshops and you're just doing it as an uh, you're just doing it independently it can be really challenging (laughs) challenging so definitely give yourself some points of reference spend some time browsing an art store making notes what would you like to try this year And, you know, if you don't make those 10 artworks that Liana told you not to put on your to-do list but you had in your head anyway, but you wrote down on a little list when you went to an art store that you wanted to try charcoal, alcohol inks and air dry clay, then you're going to feel such a sense of mastery and joy that you met that goal and it's going to be really fun in the process rather than going, I want to try new things this year, going into the art store and being like, oh, my goodness halfway through the year like I haven't really done anything different I've been doing the same thing for the first six months come on come on come on we've got to try something different what do I choose treat it as an artist date and take yourself to the art store write a wish list or you know if you can generate that in your head write a wish list in your head and keep an eye out for things at on marketplace or in op shops or you might do a swap with one one of your artist friends and that's great if you've got creative friends because you can compare wish lists of what you'd like to try material-wise or what your goals are for the year. See if there's anything you guys can help each other with. You know, can you lend someone some art materials to try or can you do it together if you all share some similar goals? Can you have a craft afternoon together? You might be able to. Okay, and finally, I just want to say a little bit more about some other goals you can have. So you can think about engagement. So when you're intention setting for art for the new year, There are two other areas actually you could think about. So one is engagement and one is your why. So engagement is like, do you have any goals around sharing? Do you want to share it at your local cafe because they feature local artists? Do you want to enter an exhibition or an award? Do you just want to share it with your family members? Or is is this year all about art making for you? And you're actually going to reverse that and go from sharing and sharing your artwork on social media and sharing it with others and entering exhibitions or, you know, just sharing it with your wife or husband every night to actually I'm going to show no one this year and see what my personal responses are to my artwork and see how my creative creativity changes when I don't show it to anyone. You might have a variance of that. There's so many different variations, like millions of ways of doing some of these goals and some of these ideas. Like you might just spend one month not showing anyone and then the rest of the year kind of go back to your usual mode of conduct. But it's something to think about. And lastly, you also want to try and figure out your why, especially if you haven't touched on this for a while. And I know I said this was going to be a quick episode, but there's so much to go through. So we're just going to quickly touch on this one. But you want to go through your why. Okay, so why do you make art? Why do you want to make art? Why do you want to be creative? Touch on this each year if you can, more regularly if you want to. But our why actually changes 
particularly if we consider ourselves a creative person, you think it will just stay the same forever, but it actually doesn't. Sometimes the why we make art changes throughout time. So sometimes we make art because it's just something we can do for ourselves when all other aspects of our life are just for other people or for workplaces or other environments. Sometimes our why to making art is that we just need a safe place and an alternative means of expression because we've got nowhere else to get it out. Sometimes our why is because we're desperate. We're desperately trying to find a way to come home to ourselves, to feel safe in ourselves, and we can't. We've tried lots of other things. You know, I I get a lot of people like that in art therapy that present having tried lots and lots of other things that just haven't met them where they're at. It's just they're just just not meeting their need. They can't find the verbal articulation to be supported in a verbal framework of support. So they come to art making because they're like, maybe this this will help me. So that might be your why is that you just feel like you need to try something different. Your why might just be that you just want more joy in your life that you have always felt art making and crafting has always provided you with joy and peacefulness and relaxation. So that's an an absolutely a super valid reason to be making art. You might actually flip that and find that art making challenges you and it allows you to be diverse and to learn new things and it allows you to do that in a a relatively stationary way so art making as I've touched on through a little bit in the podcast so far is a great tool when you are immobile I think your goal might just be around having opportunities to do something different than just reading books and watching tv if you're immobile yeah there's like a million other reasons in there like you might make art because you are drawn to beautiful things or that um, you've always dreamed about it or you're inspired by someone or you know and you might not just have one reason why you might have lots of reasons why and sometimes these change over the years so definitely jotting down and reflecting on okay like I want to make art but why do I want to make art the only alarm I would have is if you ever wrote down because I should because I should make art and that is an absolute no. Um, you should not have to. Art making is like, you know, there's some things that we should do and we have to do. I'm definitely for that responsibility in life where, yes, we have certain things that we should do because they keep us and our households in relative health and they contribute to society in positive ways and they're just our responsibilities as being humans. Art making is not one of them. Art making should be nourishing and nurturing. So you should, you don't have to ever feel I should be making it. And you can take breaks. I think many artists over a course and many creatives over a course of a lifetime take breaks. Have a chat to other artists, have a chat to other creatives, and you will find that although some of them have kept a sustained practice, some of them have had, you know, six months off in different blocks. Some of them have had six years off and taken time away from it. So never feel like you should, um, but you do want to explore your why. So wrapping up today, I just thought I'd share a few of my personal achievements for the year as well as my goals for next year. Oh, I've had so much happen this year and it has been so challenging and so rewarding and I am still intensely private. So when I say personal, it feels personal, but I'm not going to dive into the depths of my personal life. Um, But I do want to share with you some of the things that I have achieved and One of my achievements this year is planting a vegetable garden, which I haven't done for quite a few years. And I've done that with my husband and it's been really fun. We have had to learn that we need to get a little bit more prepared because we've almost missed the transitions of both seasons. (laughs) But thankfully in Albany, the weather is quite temperate. So is that the right word? 
I'm not sure, but the weather is quite mild and you do get rain in summer. So we have managed to well, we have managed to have our vegetables and our flowers flourish. And so that has been really rewarding because I have I do love to grow things. I think what I'm most excited about for the summer is the eggplants. And I'm also excited for next flower season because I only got a few flowers in this year. And tomatoes, actually. I do like tomato season as well. So yes, that's been something I really enjoyed this year was not necessarily on my to-do list or my goal list but I have returned to vegetable gardening and I'm sure there's some of you out there that are garden lovers as well that will agree of the joy that it can bring and for me it just really grounds me and connects me back to the earth because I tend to live in my head a lot. The other probably major achievements this year for me or things that I have experienced were I did an exhibition so some of you would have seen that through my social media. I delved back into my art making pretty heavily this year after quite a long break and I fell in love with watercolour and gouache, particularly gouache that I haven't had much to do with before and the combination of the two. So I have tried watercolour and enjoyed it but it was kind of missing some of that more opaque quality um, and that exactness that I could get. I liked the fluidity but I really wanted a bit more from it and so discovering gouache I know late to this party over here was just so enjoyable and it has just accelerated my artistic drive so I've been all in on that and creating much smaller artworks on paper obviously with those sorts of mediums rather than traditional oil painting which was my previous forte um, which I took quite a big break from so that's been really really exciting for me and it's been a learning curve in learning, I guess, more about my artist self, having delved so heavily into art therapy for quite a few years and seeing how those two interplay and this year having the space and the energy to seek both of those practices out at the same time. So I'm still practicing art therapy. I still really love it and adore working with the people that I work with, but I've also had time to develop some of my artist's identity and art projects in a way that like just sets me on fire at the moment. So I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, and I was blessed enough, although it was felt like a, a, um, a pretty hectic time, was that I got to be part of an art trail that happens in the Great Southern of Western Australia. There's a big art trail to art studios and cafes and restaurants. And I had an exhibition of my artwork within a cafe called Dylan's, which was one I used to frequent as a kid. So that was a pretty surreal experience thinking like little me would not have believed you if you'd said a couple of decades from now, you will have an exhibition in here upstairs. And I was, yeah, I'm so grateful for that experience. And I also had the opportunity to do some artisan markets um, in the historic town hall. So again, like because I'm living in my hometown again after a really long period of time, like I left when I was just shy of 18 and I'm 33 now. So like there's much bigger gaps between when people return to their hometowns. And I obviously did return frequently for visits, but I didn't spend more than a summer in all that time. So to have spent uh, pretty much a year now, I was going back and forth to Perth a lot at the start of the year but that sort of settled in April and so yeah there's this interesting connection because there is a really thriving artist community down here that I'm just sort of discovering but the opportunities have a really interesting connection with my childhood there's a, a lot of nostalgia in some of the buildings that I'm using for art therapy workshops yeah there's a lot of history here there's like an older knowledge I have that I didn't have in Perth as much so it's been really interesting it's kind of been interesting kind of seeing those different aspects of myself play out me as an adult now who's very very different to the child and teenager that lived down here but still having such 
so many connections. And yeah, I'm really grateful for having that time to dig into my arts practice. And part of my goals for 2024 is to continue that. I am quite interested in illustration at the moment, and I really want to write a children's book. I know a lot of people say that um, is a goal of many, but I hope that that's something that I can pursue, if not next year, the next calendar year. I've got, yeah, lots of different illustration ideas. And obviously, I want to pursue Art Muse podcast and see where this goes and try and build the community around this a bit. I'd love to create a course, an online course that people can access that kickstarts people's creativity and their therapeutic kind of art making, self-expressive art making. That would be amazing. Some of my other professional goals, I would love to do a retreat, actually. So if you're listening to this and you have the means to travel to Western Australia or you are in Western Australia and you're keen on a retreat, then keep your ears peeled or your eyes peeled <laughs> um, and your ears open because I think it would be lovely to get some of the listeners together and just anyone else who maybe doesn't listen to Art Muse podcast, but just to have a safe, nurtured space to expand some of our art making. And there's so many opportunities down here in Albany. It's incredibly beautiful. So it would be a beautiful backdrop and um, I've got lots of ideas for different activities we could do and prompts so I'm hoping to put that together again within the next 12 months and I also plan to continue my art therapy practice so at the moment that's probably going to stay stay dialed at the level it is so I see private clients um, for one-on-one art therapy and I run uh, school holiday workshops and a few adult workshops throughout the year so I think at this stage I'm probably going to sit with that for another 12 months I always thought I'll take a six-month break and then I'll go back to opening opening a studio space. And it's not, not off the cards. I've still got all my stuff in storage, but I just have all these ideas. And I think that's the beautiful thing about creativity, but also the beautiful thing about giving yourself space is sometimes things kind of evolve and change and pivot and move around a little bit. And sometimes, yeah, we look up and we're like, oh, we're in, I'm in a different place to what I expected. And there's actually so much celebration in that. That's been quite hard for me to digest this year. So I, you know, spent quite a few years in a really difficult period of time, like in the middle of COVID, um, 2020, 2021, uh, 2022, running a studio. And it felt hard to sort of close that and step away and go back to community settings Um and to go back to like a roving kind of framework. And I do miss the studio space. I miss having my materials out and being able to create the sense of abundance. But there has been so much richness in it. And a lot of time for other projects to blossom, including this, this podcast. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm trying to keep that space expansive for a bit longer and trying to lean into that. And I think this is, yeah, there's something I want to speak to a little bit more. Um, uh, the next episode's being will be on interconnection. I don't know if it will come up in that discussion or perhaps a further episode down the track or I might write a blog post on it. But sometimes indecisiveness and allowing space is really fruitful even though it's really uncomfortable. And that's something I've really pushed myself to lean into this year. This year on a personal level has really allowed me to show up for my family, so my extended family um, and my husband's family. And that's been had its challenges there's you know obviously anyone that knows it's supporting family and family always has its challenges you know so that's been definitely hard at times and there's been lots of interpersonal growth um, which continues to happen which is a really positive thing but 
yeah, this year hasn't certainly all been roses, although I have been exhibiting and running workshops and meeting new clients and making illustrations and growing vegetable gardens and spending time on the beach with my dog. (laughs) There's been all these wonderful, wonderful moments of joy. But there has been hardship and it's not that I feel the need to emphasise any hardship, but I think it's also important to normalise that life isn't very rarely like that consistent. It's very rarely singular. You know, there's always like this dynamic complexity of mixed emotions and mixed experiences and I'm trying to... I'm trying to be a little bit more flexible because I I can get quite rigid in my expectations and quite controlling. That obviously comes with a backdrop of anxiety. So there's been things like too many snakes, like literal snakes being seen and nearly stepped on. There's been, you know, vet visits. There's been cancelled workshops because I've got no enrolments. Yeah, there's been lots of things and there's been things that are more serious than that. But there has been a lot more joy for me this year a lot more creativity and a lot more freedom and I'm just really grateful for that and I'm really looking forward to seeing what 2024 holds and I hope that if you're listening to this you have had some moments of joy and that if it is has been hard for you you've been able to find some reprieve and some comfort and some support when you've needed it and I hope the next year for you is full of more hope and empowerment and I hope that we can all realize our potential to impact each other positively to be encouraging of each other to support each other and have a positive impact on our environment i hope that next year is full of so much creativity for you and self-discovery and i will see you for the next episode i'm really looking forward to it take care until then and enjoy your new year celebrations thank you so much for listening to art muse podcast if you enjoyed the episode then please like share or follow on whichever listening app you use. If you want to keep up to date on social media, the best place to find us is on Instagram at artmuse underscore podcast.